everyone is a geek about something and where we cover your pop culture landscape through our geek lens. I am Miss Shannon, here with my regular co-host and podcast life mate, Mr. Jaden Satia, Executive Director of the Twin Cities Film Fest. Uh, I think it is appropriate, even though we are a little bit into it now, to tell you Happy New Year, Jaden. Uh, I think we'll do that. This is probably um, our first official opportunity to say Happy New Year to everybody that listens to uh, our podcast here. So, so far, how is 2021 treating you? Personally, it's been good. Okay. Personally, I've kind of kept up with, uh, I don't really make resolutions. I have, like, goals mm-hmm. um, that I strive towards, and they're not limited necessarily by time. They're just, you know, in this year, I'd like to be more generous, or in this year, I'd like to, my goal is to help two, two people that, that I don't know yet. Right. right. And those may come quick. Those, again, they're top of mind. So I've kind of made my personal goal holistic list, and uh, I feel good about it. Again, they're achievable, measurable, two or three things. They're not extensive by any means. So uh, in that regard, I'm, I'm happy uh, we can say other things about where the world is right now and right. where that is. But uh, Happy New Year to everybody who's listening and to you, too. Thank you very much. Well, I hope we have some fun stuff coming up in 2021 as far as the podcast goes. And so I'll mention a couple of things, but I do want to get to this week's guest geek because we uh, meant to have him on about... Nine months ago, uh, and that happens a lot. About nine months ago, Jaden uh, brought this suggestion to me. And the way that he presented it at first, I will share after I introduce this week's guest geek. He is the founder of Irish Titan. Uh, he is a big fan of DC Comics, and his name is Mr. Darren Lynch. Hello, Darren. Hello. Good to see you. Welcome, welcome to the show. Hi there. Thanks for having me. So, Darren, there's a couple of questions because we always uh, ask everybody to give us their bio, and I'm just curious what people give us for their bio. And yours is pretty good. Uh, it said, just a guy who can't afford a haircut or a shave. Proud father of two daughters, founder of Irish Titan. So why do you lead with um, your facial hair features and what's going on with your quaff? Why do you lead with that, Darren? <laughs> I don't know. Life is the mood a little bit. Keeps people on their toes. It diminishes expectations, right? So, you know what they're getting into when they look at this guy that looks like a Viking who just stumbled onto the shores. Well, and again, if somebody hasn't seen you or this is the first time in the promo that they're seeing you, you have a very distinct, amazing look. And you, you wear it really well. And that is, again, talk about your personal brand, talk about... Your brand comes into play. Again, most of the time I see you, you're wearing a little bit of green here and there. Right. That's your personal brand. And I love how you lead with your personal brand as opposed to, you know, there's things that we do externally that define us professionally. But what defines you personally? And I love I love the way you introduce yourself. Yeah, you know, I think I've, like a lot of things in my life, stumbled into that um, accidentally more than intentionally. And <laughs> my daughter, who one of my youngest just walked by, would definitely, you know, say uh, that they wish I'd clean up a little bit. They always say, yeah, cut your hair. I say, I can't anymore. Like, I can't. It's a brand. I can't. <laughs> my dad used to tell me that I'd, I needed to cut my hair, and I just kept telling him, I can't afford a haircut, Dad. Uh, so <laughs> that's where that line originated. Right. I also want to, before we get into DC Comics, I wanted to uh, give you a second to talk a little bit about what you do over at Irish Titan, because uh, I think it especially is prevalent after and uh, for a lot of our business 
friends that had to pivot because of what's happening due to COVID, that definitely comes into play with what you do over at Irish Titan. So can you give us a little background on that, please? Yeah, you bet. So um, Irish Titan is uh, an e-commerce agency. Uh, We build and grow our merchants' e-commerce channels. Uh, I started the company 16 years ago. Uh, We have uh, 30 employees, I think 31 or 32 right now. Uh, so we work, local brands that we work with would be Pascal's and Certix, um, mm-hmm. amongst others that we're all fans of, especially uh, post-COVID when everybody's um, intake of, of alcohol increased. Right. Uh, so those are some brands. So we build their websites, work with them to attract and convert traffic to the websites for sales. Um, so we have project managers, we have strategists, we have creatives, and we have engineers, uh, programmers. So... That's what we do at Irish Titan, and um, we're closed only two days a year, St. Patrick's Day and the day after. You guys have a very interesting culture uh, as far as companies go, and it does really seem to be, when we talked about your personal brand, Darren, it definitely could tell that this is the kind of company that you have elected to lead, and you lead with a particular uh, strategy and style. Yeah, you know, I think that one of the reasons I started Irish Titan was I wanted to work for the kind of, I wanted to start the kind of company I always wanted to work for, and so... We work hard. I mean, I grew up on a farm in Iowa, and so work ethic and, and, and being industrious, those are two important things to me. So I expect us to work hard, but I want us to have fun along the way. Um, and we sort of summarize that as shenanigans, right. so to speak, right? But we, um, we, we, we try to, to have a certain flair to, to how we do things. So our circles, the three of us, have overlapped for a long, long time. I've known both of you guys for a long time. And right. you guys have both been to our annual client partner appreciation event in March multiple times, um, which was one of the last events in 2020 before everything shut down. Right. Um, and, you know, it, um, it actually was on Thursday, March 12th was when our event was, and we considered canceling it. Because right. The 11th was when everything started to fall apart. The NBA suspended their season, et cetera. Um, and I decided not to cancel, which I'm glad that I did. If it had been a few days later or a week later, for sure, I would have. It was right on the cusp. Right. Um, bit of a detour there. But you guys have been around us for a long time and know that we try to have some fun along the way. Cause a little bit of trouble, but take care of our clients, take care of our titans, as we refer to our employees. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and everything green's a write-off, as I like to joke. <laughs> so we do have a lot of green in the office. I think that is a wonderful, wonderful thing, and hopefully we get back to being able to meet in person again very soon. And, and now I'm going to get to the part that I feel might be kind of contentious, because we always ask our friends who are going to be on the podcast, hey, what do you geek out about? And that's, you know, Jaden's favorite question, to go, hey, what do you geek out about? And normally people say, oh, I geek out about this, or they don't quite understand the question, or they say, I like X, Y, and Z. You were one of the few people that we said, what do you geek out about? You presented it like it was a challenge, which was <laughs> not part of the question. We, were like, we said, what do you like? And you basically said, I like this. What do you think? And we're like, wait a whoa, whoa. No, why did you present that like it was? It had to be an argument, Darren? Because you basically said, "I'm gonna tell you why DC's better than Marvel." Hey, hey, like, slow mm-hmm. down. <laughs> so I feel like there is some uh, historical trauma about you and your love of DC. Because why did you feel like you needed to defend it preemptively like that? Yeah, I, I don't know. None of this surprises me because um, <laughs> um, I am pretty freewheeling with my opinions. Uh, so 
I, I, you know, I have been a comic book fan for almost as long as I can remember. Right. Uh, and so the first comics that I remember reading were when I was five and six years old. Um, that's how I learned to read was mm-hmm. via comics. Um, and I actually still get the actual physical comics. Um, and so I have, I counted, I, I estimated, I should say, uh, about a month or two ago when someone else asked me this question, um, because I have the storage boxes downstairs lining my storage shelves, and I have about 15,000 comics. Wow. And I have a pull file, as it's called in the industry, at Hot Comics, where I go in every couple of weeks, sometimes every couple of months, and they have the comics uh, pulled behind the desk, the counter for me that they reserve, and I check out everything else. And I kind of like to joke sometimes that if I ever want to feel good about myself, I go to the comic book store, right? Because I feel like I'm one of the guys that doesn't live in his mom's basement or something <laughs> like that, uh, just to kind of play up the stereotype a little bit. But You're I've like, I live in my kid. own basement, thank you very much. I have my <laughs> own basement. <laughs> I spend a lot of time in my basement, too. So. <laughs> and uh, we uh, shout out to Hot Comics. We are big fans of them as well, primarily the one in New Hope that is going to be moving to uh, North Minneapolis very soon. Oh, is it really? Uh, yeah, so they are going to relocate. Uh, I'm in particular. That's my hood, and I'm friends with the folks over there. And you know, do you also do the digital versions of the comics, or do you have to have that tactile experience still? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm still tactile in my reading, and I mean that both digitally and audially or mm-hmm. orally, mm-hmm. whatever the word is, you know, for for hearing. Because, for example, I don't really do audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll listen to podcasts, but a, a, a book doesn't resonate with me the same way if I'm just listening to it. Okay. Um, and whether that's a business book or a fictional book or a comic book, I like to, to have that in my hands. And another reason um, that comic books are still something that works well for me, aside from a whole bunch of reasons that we'll probably get into, is um, I tend to, like all of us that are um, our own bosses, Right. Work a lot, yeah. Um, and so I, I, you know, I don't like to read a book if I can't carve out an hour or two to read it. I don't want to read a book for fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if I'm working at night, into the night, by the time I go to bed, it's too late to spend an hour or two reading. Right. I can grab a comic book and read a comic book in five or six minutes. So I could read even a three-part arc in fifteen minutes and then right. fall asleep. Right. Uh, so it, it works well for my schedule, aside from all the other reasons. I think there's still some value to them. That completely makes sense. I mean, I, I hadn't thought about it from that particular transition because I remember when I was a kid and I would read comic books, it always felt like they went so fast. And right. then you still have to wait until, like, another week or if you've wrapped up a season, then you're like, okay, it's going to be months before we do another arc if we're going to do that. And so now it does seem like very consumable content because there's lots of things, you know, we talk about this and why we don't like some shows that we, uh, TV shows that Jade and I keep saying, I'm pretty sure I'd like that, but I don't know where it's going to fit. You know, I don't even have time to right. start it. And so that does make sense that comic books are that um, variety of very consumable chunks of content. So, when you were a kid, um, were you a were you did you know that you were a DC fan versus other ones, or did you just read whatever you your parents would let you grab at the time and whatever was available? Well, I, I gravitated toward DC and in particular Batman right away. There were some Marvel uh, titles that I 
liked when I was a kid. I think whenever, whenever, whenever I was a kid, they liked Spider-Man, right? Because yeah. Because he's relatable. Um, and, and so I did like him. Um, I've always liked Thor. Um, yes. I think Thor should be a DC character, actually. Doesn't work that way. Um, <laughs> but I've always liked Thor. Mm-hmm. And in fact, one of my proudest moments was when my oldest daughter, who's now a senior down at University of Iowa, go Hawks, I'm also a, a Hawkeye, mm-hmm. um, when I took her some of her furniture down a year or two ago, um, she sent me a video that she captured from her roommate telling her that her dad, me, looks like an older version of Thor. So, <laughs> <laughs> the older part didn't deter me. I'm still super proud of the older version of Thor. The Thor card is what I focus right, on. Right, and I'm sure because of their particular framework, they're thinking that you're an older version of Chris Hamilton, which you kind of are. Right, so that's fair, aren't you? A couple of years, I think, he's, he's younger than we think. So oh, that's he's not got He's yeah. way younger than me. Right, sure. so that's okay. That's all oh, right. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. I, I took was, that as a compliment. I always <laughs> like to ask uh, when we have um, uh, our guests on that have kids, um, if you, and if you ask me this question, if you ask Jaden this question, because you know, we both have kids as well, are your kids also fans of the comic books and the fandoms that you are? Yes, um, okay. they are. I've been very, very vocal with both my daughters about um, them having agency over their own interests. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I learned that from my parents. Like, my dad was a Vikings fan, but he told me really um, early, you pick whatever team you like. You don't have to like the Vikings just because I did. Right. And that really left an impression on me. So both my daughters um, have been free to make their own choices. They are also, though, very big DC fans, but also Marvel movie fans, right? right. So okay. yep. when I talk about liking DC more than Marvel, it really is rooted in the comics, the origins of the stories, because mm-hmm. um, Marvel does a great job with their movies. Right. Um, my daughters like the movies, and, and they're like different characters. Like my youngest is a, a giant Wonder Woman fan. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman is to her as Batman is to me. And my oldest tends to actually like the villains a little bit more, like she likes Catwoman. She likes Poison Ivy. She loves Harley Quinn. Um, after the Harley Quinn movie Birds came out, last, yeah, yeah. Um, and whatever the big long title was for it, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, she texted me and asked me if I'd seen it yet, and I hadn't. And she said, "Oh my God, you know how after I saw Wonder Woman, I wanted to get a lasso and go save the world. After watching Harley Quinn, I want to get two hyenas and go kill a bunch of men." <laughs> Oh, boy. Yeah. And I can't even argue with her because I, you know, I, you know, I was a, when I was younger there and I was just a consumer of comics in general, uh, just in general, I, you know, I did go through a Batman phase as well. And Spider-Man was important to me because Spider-Man, when there weren't a lot of characters that I could see myself in spider-man is every hero because anybody could dress up as spider-man regardless of you know age gender race so i I think that that's part of the reason why um spider-man just transcends a lot of fandoms but i uh do agree with your daughter i am a uh as a consumer of movies i will say that i think that dc does an excellent job of their animated films Absolutely. Um, yep. They're big, uh, big screen films, not so much. The best one, Birds of Prey is probably the best thing they've made. That yeah. one, which a lot of people didn't see because DC makes meh, you know, big screen movies, I think. So, yep. um, but I did think Birds of Prey, uh, although marketed poorly, 
um, was a good film. And I think people just didn't get it. And after everything that went on with Justice League, uh, people were like, I don't know if I want to waste time, you know, even though she was one of the only things worth a damn in Justice League. Right. Um, I mean, not Justice League. I mean, Suicide Squad. My apologies. I meant Suicide Squad. Um, but I, I think it's just... It, it's good to be able to see an array of characters, and DC does do a good job with their um, anti-heroes and villains. Right. I think they do do that. And and Marvel, some of that, you know, some of that, but um, it's it's interesting when I talk to DC fans um, which character they associate with first. So what was it about Batman that you're like, hey, I'm really into Batman? Well, I think that you know, if we if I raise this up a little bit, um, DC's heroes, and when I say that, I'm talking more their inner circle heroes, their main heroes, right? And that's kind of what you compare between DC and Marvel. Right. You get below the main level, and then there starts to be a lot of similarities. It's the main level where they're really a, a product of their times, right? Like most DC heroes um, originated late 30s, like Batman and Superman in 1939, and Wonder Woman, I think, 41, um, but the late 30s and 40s. And so they were a product of um, mythology and idealization and um, gods walking around in men's and women's clothing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Marvel heroes were largely a function of the 60s and early 70s, Uh, science fiction and more cynicism around society and and human frailty and all of those sorts of themes, right? And so... I think that um, Batman, you know, is this idealistic, absolute best of what any of us can be with no superpowers. Of course, right. he's like, super I'm rich in his superpower. That's fair. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> obscenely wealthy, you know, perfectly built, um, exquisitely handsome, right. and insanely smart. Just right. those things. All the things. All the things. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Which is usually um, my only cons- my only. And maybe just because of where I grew up and, 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 you know, just when I grew up as well, why I felt like I gravitated towards Marvel superheroes as well. Because I was a sci-fi fan, all the things you just said. But Marvel characters, even the heroes, are still more flawed versus one Achilles heel. And and DC is pretty much a one Achilles heel. And then you see that played out. And How many ways can we swoop up on Superman with kryptonite? Uh, How many ways can we accidentally tie up Wonder Woman? How many, like, like there's, you know, once you know their trick, it's always just how is that going to get slipped in? Yeah, which is probably why as a kid I was like, all right, with the lasso again and and, and why. Even it just left less for me to imagine when I just knew that there was probably going to be a certain way. That always yep. happen, but I do understand why Batman has such. I mean, I think that that's why the re the multiple reboots of Batman in comparison to other characters have all kind of been successful in their own right for different reasons. Is because right. of the characters, you could kind of see why Bruce Wayne is this way and why you want to see this character do well. And and that part I always am, I understand when people are like, here's why I dig this character, and they can see themselves in him. Yeah, you know, I think Batman's relatable because he doesn't have superpowers. Spider-Man's relatable because everybody's been a teenager. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a kid, I loved Black Panther, which I, I still like him as a character, but when, when I started to read more uh, uh, of the universe of each of them, right. that's when some of the themes started to appeal to me more or less. 
right? Because I've always loved mythology, right? Mm-hmm. That's why, like Norse mythology, again, why I, I like Thor a lot. Um, and I, I like that um, iconic, self-assured nature of mythology, right? right? Um, and Marvel, on the other hand, takes some of those flawed characters, like Tony Stark's alcoholism. I remember when I was right. a kid, I was probably eight or nine, I was reading an Avengers storyline where Hank Pym, who in the comics was Ant-Man and, and Giant-Man, right. um, uh, beat up uh, his wife. I'm forgetting her name right now. Right. That was one of the most controversial ones. Like, yeah. And it comes up all the time because somebody comes in and she tries to stop him doing something and he, he slaps her. Right. Um, and that, so it comes up constantly as domestic abuse. And it's funny because there was just an article that came out that brought that up again uh, a few months ago where the writers were saying that that wasn't the way that it was supposed to be presented as abruptly. It was supposed to be presented more as a accidental response because of his alcoholism more than a directed anger action, but it just didn't get translated that way. And I think that that's interesting when we talk about how quickly can we create this content? How often do you have time when you're looking at getting a physical, tangible product like a comic book to print, how many times, you know, you're hitting deadlines. And especially back then, those deadlines were, you know, a lot more important because we didn't have computers that could help us speed things up if we were behind on a deadline. It's like, well, this is how long, if that panel's wrong, that panel's wrong. Right, Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that. I remember... You know, and as I say this out loud, it, it probably comes across like Marvel was perhaps writing better comics in the 70s when I was a kid, um, you know, because the storylines I remember were that one we just mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, the romance, so to speak, between Scarlet Witch and the Vision right. and how he was robotic, you know, mm-hmm. and she wasn't Ultron um, birthing um, the vision, mm-hmm. um, and Iron Man being an alcoholic, Tony Stark being an alcoholic, I should say a little more specifically, right? So that's what Marvel did really well. Um, and as a kid, I was reading that, but at the same time, I'd be reading Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Justice League, and just resonated with their, um, you know, uh, iconic, mythological, um, somewhat flawless, except right. for their Achilles heel. Um, bye. Right. And, you know, I think that, I don't know, maybe a psychologist would say something, you know, like, well, for me as I'm wired, I don't want to see flawed characters in my aspirational fiction. I'm already flawed <laughs> enough. I don't need to see more of it. Right. And I want to aspire to be flawless. I don't know. Right. But um, I think that's, that's fair. And we don't talk to psychologists on this show. That's all right. <laughs> we use them for other things. We use them for other things. So bringing us as a fan of DC, I mean, you brought up that, um, Marvel does a good job of their movies. Um, and, and I want to present it this particular way for a reason. Um, I remember when I was growing up a kid and I'd read all of, um, like, we'll use Lord of the Rings. Um, as yep. I said. Like, I grew up, that was one of the first books that my, you know, I read when, like, Little Shannon consumed this and, and, and all these things. And so by the time we got to the point um, that we could make decent movies, I was so um, gun-shy of all of these characters and content that I held very precious because I had for years had really bad movies made. Like, and you would get yourself really excited because you'd finally get to see this thing that you read and you imagined, and now it was going to be a movie, and a lot of times it was just never could live up to it because technology, this, all these reasons. Um, so I did get really excited once we started to be able to make 
decent big screen films because before that you know i i was a, i mean i'm a cartoon nerd as well i would watch all of the cartoons like and you can have you can explain away a lot of okay why did the old um uh super friends commercial look so cheesy well com- cartoons, comics look, too, yeah right you have to look at the tv shows that were produced for superheroes right so if we yeah, look yeah, at an like old school yeah. yeah if we look at even if we go back to the old school black and white superman and those yep. things um, I think I had gotten accustomed to those being the trend. So by the time we got to making big budget films, I was like, oh, look, neat. Which brings me partially to what I, my, my question of how you feel as a DC comics fan about DC movies. Do, are you just happy that they're being created? And even though they might be kind of flawed or do you like them anyway do you explain away if they're flawed or, or what do you think <laughs> about the films yeah so um i tend to be a tough critic um but still protective gotcha. right mm-hmm. so for whatever reason mm-hmm. um but dc dc's extended universe as they refer to it mm-hmm. um they have not done a good job with that. You know, like Marvel did an incredible job with the MCU, mm-hmm. and they hired the right directors right away. Right. Um, you know, they hired the the perfect actor for um, Iron Man. Right. RDJ was just perfect for that. And DC, like, um, I don't know if the actors. Well, I don't think he's perfect actually, Henry Cavill. But they really did not do a good job with Man of Steel and Superman in right. the in the DCEU because. Superman's like the embodiment of goodness, right? right? Like he, he's based on people will tell you either Zeus or Jesus or Moses, you know, and he's a, a god walking amongst mere mortals and trying to find humanity, um, and, and and that's what it should have been instead of dark. Batman's the dark one. Let him right. be dark, right? right. Um, and so, you know, I, I think DC has shot themselves in the foot unnecessarily when they have the Nolan trilogy. That lived outside of what they were going to go into, but like that had a built-in fan base and an incredible appreciation, critically and commercially. Right? They could have bounced off that and done much better. Now, I would also say though, they had some miserable failures, like the Green Lantern movie before they tried to start pulling things together. That was absolutely horrible. (laughs) Um, I haven't liked any of the Superman movies since uh, Christopher Reeve's movies, Mm -hmm. Um, and then the absolute nadir the absolute epitome of the, the the dysfunction of DC movies was Batman versus Superman. Yeah. That movie is absolutely horrible. Um, and they took to, uh, a few different Superman story arcs, a few different Batman story arcs, mashed them up together in a way that didn't make sense. The only good part of Superman versus Batman was Wonder Woman's appearance because she's badass in that in just a few moments, like right. when she's fighting um, uh, Doomsday and he knocks her down, and she stands up and kind of grins, mm-hmm. like Wonder Woman, and like, bring it on. Right. After that, though, I actually feel like DC has improved considerably. Justice League is a better movie than most people. Now, you guys are obviously um, educated enough with this stuff that you would have a well-formed opinion, but I think a lot of people that don't follow this as closely um, gave Justice League kind of the Batman versus Superman hangover. Yeah. Because it was the first one coming after. Exactly. Justice League is a decent movie. It's a decent uh, movie. I agree. Yeah. And, you know, and then after that, like, Shazam are, was a great movie. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really I good. I agree. Um, uh, Suicide Squad was a bit of a mess, but Birds of Prey was great. Right. Um, and 
You know, I think that um, one and one Roman, which I, I'm not saying he's in the right order. Wonder Woman, the first one, was fantastic. I that, enjoyed it. Um, I I I wanted to like it more than like really? it's another. Yeah, it's one of those ones that I vehemently defended at the time because I want more female-driven movies to be made. I right. did find it. It had nothing to do with the actors. Um, and, and, and Jayden, I finally did watch, uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Have you seen that yet, Darren? Yes. Okay, all right. Uh, everybody, we're going to finally do some spoilers, which is a month out, so you guys are fine. If you don't like it, then that's on you. Um, but, you know, we're going to do this, because I do want to talk about some particular things, so we'll warn everybody again. We're going to do some spoilers here, because I have some questions, um, of Darren, because I'm, I'm willing to be convinced that I'm being too harsh on this film. I, I'm willing to be convinced. Um, but Typically on 1984? Yes. Yeah, because Wonder Woman, the first one, I thought it was okay. Um, and I will bring this up because it is part of my primary problem with Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, I am a uh, disbeliever of the comic book trope, love at first sight that transcends all space and time. So I was, I was just over... The Diana slash Steve Trevor storyline in the first film. I was just kind of like, okay, whatever, just be Wonder Woman. That was super dope. The whole, okay, I met you and I'm going to tell you all this and pining forever. It just could have been a lot smaller. Um, And then there were just some other little things that I'm like, as a movie, how many times do we see the the fish-out-of-water woman finally in a dress and just can't believe it. We just see that every place, you know. So those little things are what made me not like Wonder Woman that much because I thought that was lazy. But I thought the scenes organized around her were fantastic. So let's flash forward to Wonder Woman 1984, um, which not just doubles down, triples down on the Love at First Sight that transcends all space and time and takes a really great character uh, in Wonder Woman, a.k.a. Diana uh, Prince, and makes her so weak um, that this dude who you met for two weeks, hooked up with one time, and has been dead for 70 years, that's what's holding you back? And that was my biggest problem with her character in Justice League is that you have Batman mansplaining why she should be in charge of stuff and be all great and she's sitting there talking like Wonder Woman 1984 made me dislike Justice League more huh. because okay. if we if, if 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 Justice League happens after Wonder Woman 1984 that means that this night Wonder Woman 1984 happened she weirdly brings back the you know, demon possessed Steve Trevor kind of has to get over it and doesn't get over it on her own. He has to tell her, you need to get over me. And then she's pining again by the time we get to Justice League. Is that in the right order, Darren? That is in the right order. And I hadn't pieced it together quite like that. Um, I agree with a lot of your sentiment. I think real quickly on Wonder Woman 1, um, I think that, um, first of all, that scene of her jumping out of the, the trench and charging across the battlefield, is iconic. That's yeah. one of my favorite scenes from any comic book movie. I concur. Um, and so I think, and Gal Gadot is, I think, the perfect Wonder Woman. Just like RDJ is the perfect spy, uh, Iron Man, I think Gal Gadot is the perfect Wonder Woman. I think that um, uh, Margot Robbie is the perfect Harley Quinn. Agreed. Agreed. I think they still haven't found the perfect Batman. 
Um, no. Because they haven't found somebody that plays both Batman and Bruce Wayne perfectly. Agreed. Um, Agreed. And, and so, anyway, I think Gal Gadot was fantastic. I think, I understand. I don't even I hate Jason Momoa as Aquaman. I did not like the Aquaman movie, but it had nothing to do with Jason Momoa. It had to do with the movie construction. But for him, saying and doing the things he did... Okay, yeah, it's yep. fine. They just could have given him better things to say. <laughs> yeah, with, with Aquaman, he, he does make a good Aquaman. Yeah. I think that if they figured out the 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 character that they want Aquaman to be, right. it would be much better. Agreed. Right? Because Agreed. Momoa can play a badass like Khal Drogo. Right. Um, he demonstrated some pretty good comedic timing in Justice League. He was pretty funny, and then yeah. in Aquaman, he had some quips. Right. So. It, it depends on which Aquaman character they want him to play, and right. then they should pick a lane. So I think right. he could do pretty well. I put him in the same category as as Chris Hemsworth playing Thor, where if he when when they were still like Thor takes himself really seriously, Chris was still fine, and now that he's all like I'm all with the jokes, he's still fine. So right. I agree with you. Jason Momoa is fine. So back yeah. to I'm sorry that I derailed you on Wonder Woman 1984. I, I think that I understand why Wonder Woman one they had Steve Trevor be a part of that because he's pretty big part of her her canon. Agreed. And I do think that Gal Gadot and Chris Pine seem to have some good had at least in that first movie had some good chemistry. Like mm-hmm. they kind of um, could riff pretty well. I think though, moving on to Wonder Woman eighty four, he was completely unnecessary. I do too. He that didn't movie, need to be in there no. at all. That movie like, I said the same thing, Darren. That movie is too long. And mm-hmm. if they all they did is just and not even Write any other lines to replace it. Just take that whole line out altogether. And because Cheetah is a fine character, and you could have still, okay, Wonder Woman finally has to battle somebody who has powers on par with her, so she needs the special armor. Fine. All of that stuff would have been fine without Steve Trevor. And that made me very disappointed. And I also did not like... You know, for someone who is a fan of Wonder Woman as a as a character that has agency, regardless of the, yeah, I know there's probably some people that are listening, like, don't you know that the writer was into bondage? Yes, I know all that stuff. But still, <laughs> let's go past that. Um, if we look at a character that, um, that first scene um, of Wonder Woman 1984, where we go, okay, back when they're on Thermoscara, we're watching her and the society of women that she was raised by, grew up around, um, was educated by. I don't think that character would be such a terrible friend to Barbara Minerva. Like, I don't think that that character, when presented with this woman who clearly just wants to be seen, would be the person that didn't see her as just over over the fact that you're pining over somebody that died 70 years ago. And I certainly don't think that that character who swooped up on a woman who had just been assaulted, spoiler alert, everybody, who had just been assaulted, would get rid of the assaulter-ish and then go, deuces, I'll see you tomorrow. And not, I walk my girlfriends to the car, you know, when we've been right. drinking. And so I really was disappointed in a lot of that about the film to the yeah, point it, that it took me out of the things that I liked. It's sort of, I'll admit, I was really surprised at how much weaker this film was than the first one. Agreed. Right? Like, it sounds like I like the first one more than you. Out of um, out of ten Batarangs, I would give Dark Knight mm-hmm. um, with the Joker, that uh, the second movie, the Nolan, Nolan Trilogy, I'd give that ten Batarangs. Okay, fair out enough. Out of ten Lassos, I would give the first Wonder Woman 
nine lassos, I think. That's okay. how much I like the first Wonder Woman. And I probably um, would give it seven. Seven okay. at the most. Mm-hmm. I'm going to split the difference. Actually, I think I've already vocalized this to you, Shannon. I actually enjoyed the first Wonder Woman quite a bit. So yep. I'm going to be up there with Darren and go nine on that one as mm-hmm. well. Um, this one, I am, I've watched it twice now. Right. And it was worse the second time I watched the second. <laughs> <time. laughs> I not the way it's that. supposed to go. Well, it's not, but I wanted to kind of, a lot of the things that you guys are talking about was surfaced when my wife and I were watching it together. Was she, she as in the Wonder Woman character specifically, was so weak and she wasn't a superhero. Right. Like, that wasn't the aspiration that you want to give. We have a son, so he was watching it with us. Even, regardless of a boy or a girl, regardless of the gender of the, the kids who are going to look up to this character, she seemed weak to me. Right. Like, again, pining over something, someone, right. for so long that it actually degraded her quality of life. Yep. And does she need, as a superhero, does she need somebody else Right. Move her motivation for goodness forward. And it seemed like it was so pressured upon, we got to give her Steve back so then she can get her head right so she can do all these other things. Right. I think, again, they go back to, she didn't grow up in that society. No. Like, her her horde was all these independent, powerful women, and she didn't pull from them, she pulled from this dude. It didn't make sense. Um, first of all, they didn't need Steve Trevor. No. Second of all, whether it's Steve Trevor or any any other male character, it doesn't make sense for Wonder Woman to be dependent or codependent on a, a romantic interest. That's right. Just, right. That's not her character. No. Um, and, and, and like you mentioned, Shannon, that that um, you know, not helping uh, um, Barbara, uh, uh, Barbara mm-hmm. a, after the assault, you know, and deuces, as you said. Yeah. You know, that's out of character. And I thought so just, too. Yeah. yeah, and just from a pure movie-making perspective, a, a screenwriting perspective maybe, I was surprised how um, convoluted the movie was. Like it, It's like they really quickly started to fall prey to like Spider-Man 3 and Iron Man 2, where they had too many villains and too much stuff going on, right? Because mm-hmm. I thought Kristen Wiig did a really good job as Barbara and Cheetah, and yeah. they didn't need Max Lord. Max Lord is a really interesting character in the comics, and Wonder Woman kills him, literally kills him in the comics in an important storyline. Mm-hmm. So when I saw that he was going to be in there, I was like, oh, this could be interesting. And then when I saw that um, uh, Barbara Minerva Cheetah was going to be in there, I'm like, well, now, like, how are they going to put both these in there? They could have cut Steve Trevor out entirely. Yep. They could have cut Max Lord out entirely and gone deeper with uh, the relationship between Diana and Barbara uh, and, and uh, Wonder Woman and Cheetah and make the movie much tighter and Agreed. much better. That w- I would have had all kinds of interest in that particular storyline. Um, yeah. and, and, and I felt the same way as you were. There's lots of things that they spent an uh, inordinate amount of time on. Like, okay, now she can kind of fly like Wonder Woman fly, which is really just supposed to be riding airwave. Why are we still doing this? You know, kind of like, we get it. Okay. You know, we kind of touch on Invisible Jet, you know. So it's like instead of focusing on any of those things, because you can go, okay, are we in the Invisible Jet era? Because that's a whole storyline versus when she figured out that she could fly, which is a whole different storyline. But it right. felt like they they were like, well, we kind of acted like she could fly in Justice League because she jumped down on this thing. So we got to show that she can do that. 
but people like the jet so let's talk about the jet so and so right. but so that you know it just seemed like they did like you said piece all these things together unnecessarily she could be a pilot you know but we're so worried that one character has so much agency why can batman fly drive drive a tank ski ride a motorcycle why is it okay but but uh, wonder woman has to get a a pilot her dead ex-boyfriend pilot to fly that plane that made no sense that she stole which is ridiculous why is she stealing a plane you're wonder woman she wouldn't steal a plane (laughs) and that's why i didn't like this movie not because of anything that any of the actors did i just didn't feel like it was it something, wasn't a well-written movie. No, and it's not something that me as a geek, and Jaden and I talk about this all the time, I like movies that I can feel proud to defend to my non-geek friends and go, hey, you'll like yeah. this anyway. It's a good movie. Like, I remember talking about Black Panther and going, okay, I have a reason why this character is highly, I'm highly passionate about this character. Right. But even if you don't know this character, it's a good movie. You know, right. I feel like a lot of the Iron Mans and the Captain Americas, same thing. It's like, it's a good movie. Even if you don't, right. I'll explain some of the extra stuff to you. You don't have to do it. Or I'll send you a Wikipedia link. But you'll still like the movie. And right. I ex- I have that expectation now of films like Wonder Woman. It could have been a good movie. And the conversation that uh, Jaden and I had had on the uh, uh, previous episode where he had seen it and I hadn't yet is... We were wondering if part of the reason why it was getting such bad reviews online at the time was because it was meant to be on a big screen and then we were watching it on a small screen. And so I kind of went to it with that idea that maybe um, I'm supposed to be dazzled by the effects and not notice the story. And I doubled down on that. They thought all I care about is what the visuals were and didn't lean into the story or the writing at all. And so I thought that was a great disservice for a quality character that could be, you know, an inspiration. Like, I do feel enough, um, like, I understand why people loved the first one, and I do think that there were inspirational moments of Wonder Woman in that one, and I was cool with that. And I didn't get that sense from this one. Like, I was not proud to be right. a Wonder Woman fan after watching 84, and that disappointed me immensely. Yeah, yeah and to circle back to one of your earlier comments, um, one thing that I think is unquestionable is that DC does an incredible job with their animated mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure if either of you watched um, the Justice League animated series. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, it's so different from the Super Friends that oh, we yeah. grew up with, right? Where every character was the same. They just had a different costume. <laughs> right. Um, some of the characters had the same people voicing them, not even changing their voices. But <laughs> um, with Justice League animated, um, each character was fleshed out, right? Like, Batman was sort of a rebellious, difficult-to-work-with loner. Because he really doesn't, or, like, one of my favorite films is the Dark Side one, where, no, that one, there, there's another one that came after the Dark Side one. I like that one. But there's what a storyline, which is true, where Batman had escape plans to take oh, yeah. down everybody else in the Justice League. Yeah, and so got- that's based on a, 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 the, the comic story called Tower of Babel. Okay. Um, and the animated movie, what is the name of that one? Because they, they called it something else. Right, some but it was fabulous. That one has stuck with right. me for years. because Right, because he had all these backup plans. 
in case any one of the, the other his fellow Justice League members turned evil or went rogue, right. he had a whole backup plan. To right? take and all of master, them down. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, right? it's fun. Where you're like, wait a minute. And they're looking at him like, why would you do that? And he goes, because you guys might suck one day, basically. Why wouldn't I do that? And they're right. like so mad. Right. <laughs> That's one of my favorite comic storylines. I, I have it in like a large prestige format. Oh, neat. Because at the end... Um, after they finally defeat Mirror Master and everybody, you know, um, they pull the Justice League together and Superman and Wonder Woman are grilling Batman yeah. on why he did that. And he's not giving an inch. He's like, I'd do it all over again. Yeah. I wouldn't change a damn thing. Right. right? Um, because he's suspicious and paranoid because he kind of has to be. Exactly. It's um, fabulous. But the Justice League animated series that ran, I think, for five seasons, um, is fantastic. It really fleshed out each character. And my single favorite episode is one called This Little Piggy. Mm-hmm. And it's when Batman and Wonder Woman are standing guard on some building, of course, with him perched over a gargoyle. Yep. Um, because he had a tip that there were going to be some, some, I think, a jewelry heist. And um, Wonder Woman gets turned into a pig by um, Circe, one okay. of the Greek goddesses, you know. And... So then Batman has to go find her, and he has to sing, um, which, you know, is not a very Batman thing. He has to <laughs> sing to reverse the spell. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but like, in that episode, there's a line at the end when they're walking through the, the uh, Tower of Justice orbiting the planet, and the other, uh, other Justice League heroes, the guys, are all like, oh, my God, Diana's the one that we all like. Uh, she's the one we all, you know, want, but she's unattainable and all this sort of stuff, because she is. She's supposed to be unattainable. Even Batman has a crush on her mm-hmm. in Justice League, the animated, and um, nobody can ever really date her because she's a god. She's right. a goddess who doesn't need someone like Steve Trevor or any man in the movie. And then also, no offense to Steve Trevor, who's not even a real person, but like that's not even a relationship for the ages, right? No. Like, in, it's, it's, not, it's not like... Clark Kent and Lois Lane or Batman and Catwoman or, you know, there, there are like three or four to five relationships that are always the relationship. Correct. And that's not one of them. No. He's just some dude. And in some of the incarnations, they're friends or coworkers or all these things. There's no reason that that would be the thing that affected the whole rest of her life. So, well, I know we have to wrap up soon. Uh, Darren, I'm sorry that it took us so long to get you on the show. We need to have you on again, and you can be our expert for this whole thing. And uh, help talk me down off the ledge. I appreciate your balanced approach to DC Comics. Because I would love to talk to you. Like, we can go out. We can both give um, Jayton some homework assignments on the DC Comics animated films, and I think he would enjoy that because I have some. I would love it. I'm bad at names, so I'll have to Google them, but I think that would be fun to give him that kind of homework assignment. Are you cool with that, Darren? I'm cool with that, and I would start with uh, Batman Under the Red Hood. That's my favorite. Okay. Perfect. All right, so we're going to make you a list, Jaden. Um, so, we're, uh, Darren, uh, if, uh, if somebody needs some work from somebody like Irish Titan, what's the best way of them to get a hold of you? Um, so our, our, our website's easy to get to. It's irishtitan.com, and you can even uh, click on company and click on my picture and message me directly from there. I'm also super active and visible on really social media in general, um, work-related, LinkedIn. I'm easy to find. I'm on Facebook, too, so 
anybody using a computer can find me pretty easily. Perfect. And, Jayden, I know we have some stuff coming up uh, as we move into February. We have some screenings going on. Uh, if you go to our website, TwinCitiesFilmFest.org, you can get all of that information, uh, and we will keep you up to date on all that. Uh, if you want to be part of Be Our Geek, we encourage you to follow Be Our Geek Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us at BeOurGeekShow at gmail.com. And, of course, you're welcome to leave us a message as part of our Be Our Geek roulette at 612-276-2774. That's 612-276-2774. We hope that you will find us, like us, and subscribe to Be Our Geek wherever you listen to your podcast. And um, I think, uh, Darren, uh, I am... I feel a lot better about this conversation. I was worried we were going to fight the whole time, and I didn't want to do that because I like you. So, <laughs> I'll stick to my opinion, but I do recognize that Marvel's done a good job with their movies. So, so we thanks can. for having me. This has been super fun. Happy to do it anytime. This requires no preparation on my behalf. Which is You're like, I know all this stuff. That's perfect. Right. <laughs> so we will definitely have you out again. For everybody else out there listening, we appreciate you being part of the show. Please keep listening. Remember, everyone is geek about something. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.